So today we are doing the 10th chapter of Ilkhot Abodazara. This chapter is uh, not very politically correct in today's uh, society. I'm not going to hide anything or change anything Harambam says. Um, and uh, I'm not going to also say what we should do, what we should not do, but rather we are going to explain everything that Harambam says here, which, uh, of course, again, it's not Harambam saying it, it's just summarizing what Hamim have said in other places. It's, uh, we may not um, enter into some uh, peace, peace treaty or some treaty that will permit us to leave uh, people that do of the that are of the avodazara do avodazara, and and uh, and they can and that they can continue that we enable them to continue worshiping in that way. Uh, another way of saying that is, in Eretz Israel, there should not be freedom of religion. The Torah says very explicitly, you may not uh, do a treaty, enter into a treaty with them, enter into a covenant with them. Rather, either they stop doing that Avodah Zarah, or they'll, they are killed. And the Torah also warns us not to have pity on them uh, if they if they do not renounce Avodah Zarah. As it says, you may not have hen with them, you may not uh, treat them with grace. Therefore, if uh, someone sees a goy that worships Avodah Zarah, that is lost or is drowning in in the ocean uh, he should not he need not or he should not save him likewise if this guy is about to be uh, murdered by someone should not save him however to actually to actually actively cause this person's death, to uh, to 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 push him somewhere or or something of the sort is forbidden, given that he's not waging war against us, and someone outside our system, someone who is not part of the Jewish people, uh, they 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 are not subject obviously to any of the halachot of, of the Jewish system. They are outside the system but they may be captured by another system and that is the system that governs what happens when one society from outside does something to our society those are the laws of war milhamot, and we deal with those at the very end of uh, of of mishneh torah also because they are sort of halachot that the halachot themselves are outside the system they don't deal with uh, internal affairs So when do we say that we should not cause their death? That is when we are talking about non-Jews who do Avodah Zarah. But if we are dealing with Jews that are, are traitors, that they betray their nation, 
that they are one of these three things, that they are Mosre Israel, they they cooperate with the, the local government, back in the day it was very common with the Romans, against their brethren, or Haminim. Minim were uh, the early Christians, but they were sectarians and they were uh, they were bent on on proving that they are the true Jews and not the Jews, and for that they'd cooperate with the government also. The Apikorosin, Apikorosin is another kind of, of heretic who is trying to actively undermine the system. Then with them, it actually would be desirable to cause their death. Because they, they do two things, they, they are enemies to Israel, and secondly, they remove the people, they cause the people to leave the path of God. Like Jesus the Nazarene and his students, or two people in the times of Second Beit Hamikdash who started sects in Am Israel. May the name of the wicked ones rot. So from here, we can infer that it's also forbidden to cure someone who worships Avodah Zarah, even with compensation. We said before that delivering with compensation was fine, but uh, cure them, no. However, if he was if the, the Jewish doctor was afraid or concerned that this might cause some tension with the goyim, then he may cure for compensation, but not for free. However, someone who is a gertoshav, someone who lives, is a goy residing in Eres Israel lawfully. He's a permanent resident of Eres Israel, and for that, there's a few conditions. He has to agree to your sovereignty and he has to agree to do the seven mitzvot ben Noah. Then the Torah actually provides this Kertosha with a lot of rights and we have the mitzvah to, to protect him and to save him and to make sure that he has certain things. We give them tzedakah and therefore you can also cure them for free. <clears throat> In Eres Israel, it's forbidden to sell to a goy houses or fields. In Syria, Syria, which uh, you know, there is a portion of Syria that is actually part of Eres Israel, the area of uh, Damascus, what uh, some Syrian Jews call Sham. It was called Sham because. Uh, they, they thought it was Eres Israel and they lived there in order to live in Eres Israel. But most of Syria has a quasi status of Eres Israel. Why? Because David Hamelech, King David, expanded his kingdom to include what's today modern Syria, if that's even a country anymore. And, uh, and that area is, half, is, is not all the way Eres Israel, but for some things it is. So for these purposes, that area of Syria, um, it's forbidden to sell them houses, but not, but it's not forbidden to sell them fields. 
ומשכירים להם בתים בארץ ישראל, ובלבד שלא יעשו שכונה. ואין שכונה פחותה משלושה. It is permissible, however, to rent houses to goים in ארץ ישראל, so long as you are not enabling them to create a non-Jewish neighborhood. And a non-Jewish neighborhood would be, would be defined by having three or more houses adjacent to each other. ואין מזכירים להם שדות. However, it's forbidden to rent to them fields. ובסוריה מזכירים להם שדות, but in, in Syria you may. ומפני מה החמירו בשדה? מפני שיש בה שתיים. מפקיעה מן המעשרות ונותן לה חנייה בקרקע. So as you see, houses is a little less stringent than fields. Why is that? Houses and fields both have one thing in common. You're letting them get a hold of uh, the land of Israel, which is not something the Torah does not want us to do. But secondly, with a field, there is further another issue, which is by giving it to a goy, then the fruits that come from that field are no longer obligated on Maasrot, on the tax that goes to the Kohanim and to the Levim, and, and to yourself in Maasar Shani, and to the poor people. And therefore, uh, that's also undesirable, and that's another reason to be even more stringent with respect to fields. However, it's permissible to sell houses and fields outside Israel. I know a lot of people in real estate will sigh in relief right now. Given that this is not our land. Araman says, when we said that we are permitted to rent them a house, that's a house for things other than their their residence you may not permit them to reside in a house you own why because you can be certain or you should assume that they are going to bring into it avodazara a goy is assumed to bring avodazara into his home veneemar and the pasuk says You may not bring something disgusting, namely Avodazara, inside your house. In other words, by renting it to a goy, you're causing something disgusting to come inside your house, the Avodazara that the goy is going to bring. However, you may rent them the house in order to serve as a depot of some sort to a storage facility. And just like we don't sell them a field, we also don't sell them the, the produce that is in that field. This is something that they used to do back in the day. Nowadays, you can buy and sell futures of commodities in, uh, in some exchanges. Uh, back in the day, the way you would buy and sell commodities in order to also transfer the risk, because you never knew if, uh, let's say, the wheat was going to have a good crop this year or not. So you sell it in advance. You sell it while it still is attached to the land. But we may not do that with a with Ovedah Vodazara um, because, because it's as if you're selling them the field. However, you may sell them this produce as soon as it's cut off the ground. Or 
it, it can also be sold right now, but I'm selling it to, to you right now. And my responsibility, my performing will also include my cutting it. And then I go ahead and cut it. That, that, that makes it less like selling him the land. And why do we not sell them attached produce? Because the Torah says, this is now the second explanation of the word Tehonem. The first explanation was, you may not have mercy on the Goim in Eres Israel that are of Davod Azara. And as a group that worship Davod Azara, we have to actually eradicate them. In here, Lotehonem has a different meaning, and this is from Hanaya, not from Hanina, from Hanaya, from having a hold in the land. You may not give them a hold in your land. Because this is a way of, of ensuring that they don't stay in Eres Israel forever, and that we perceive them as not permanent citizens or, or residents or inhabitants of the land and to do that we don't sell them land because by buying land as we'll see in this week's parasha by the way with Abraham Avinu and Sarai Menu by buying land you are first of all showing to yourself and to the world that you're here to stay A third meaning now to the Pasuk Lotehonem. And this is a, an interesting, an interesting uh, halacha. It's forbidden to praise, to, to, um, to talk with admiration about, about uh, goim. Even to say, hey, this... Uh, this koi person is very handsome or this koi person is very beautiful uh, subconsciously this causes you automatically to to want to when you see beauty in someone what's really happening is there is a part of your psyche that you want to materialize in the world and when you find someone that you find beautiful that means that the part in your psyche representing let's say the most perfect female form, which is, it's an image in your brain that you, you you go on and you develop through fantasizing and through growth, through development in life. Then you find a, let's say a girl that fits some of those characteristics. So she becomes now a good enough screen onto which to project that image in your psyche of the, of what, uh, femininity means and therefore what ends up happening is you project that onto her this girl now becomes part of you and then you proceed to want to possess her also in in a, in the real world in the physical world so harambam and hachamim understood that by by sympathizing by finding someone let's say attractive or commenting on someone um, you're also assimilating that person as a whole and you're creating a certain bias towards that person given that it's not a person, you're not thinking of them as a person but rather it's a screen onto which you project your own psyche and therefore this becomes in a way part of you and 
the the jump between being attracted to someone and finding their deeds appropriate is not that far and you can see that today happening in society all the time how people who are who are liked by society for their looks or for the way that they act like celebrities they also have some sort of a moral authority in the psyche of people and everything they do everything they do seems to be right which is why what's happening these days today is november 10th 2017 what's happening these days with hollywood is so shocking to everyone because it's very disappointing anyways back to the halakha so it's forbidden to, to say that, uh, that you're attracted to them, how much more so to praise their deeds or what they say. And this is the third meaning of the Pasuk, and they may not find grace in your eyes. Um, you may not find them gracious. Because this eventually causes you, causes the person who is who is uh, who is sympathizing, who is liking this koi, to also try to get close to him and learn from his bad deeds. It's also forbidden to give them presents, to give them gifts for free without any ulterior motive, any ulterior interest. Now, we did find in an earlier chapter halachot dealing with when is it permissible to give a gift to a goy and when is it not. So this is not so simple. This needs to be understood further. Uh, if you want to find it before, the word we used before was doron, not matenot hinam, but doron. And I think that maybe the difference between doron and matenat hinam, doron is some kind of a gesture. Doron has a social connotation. You're giving a gift for a certain occasion, which is almost like an obligation. So someone's event or someone who gave you something, you give it to them. Uh, someone had a, had a promotion at work. That's all Doron. Matenot Hinam would be for you to, something that you normally sell for you to say, no, you know what? You don't have to pay me. That's an example of Matenot Hinam. And the Pasuk from which we learned that is Lager Asher Bisharecha Itena Vechala when, um, if uh, you have a nevela, if you do shechita to an animal and the animal is rendered not kosher through that shechita, then the Torah itself says you may not eat it. You have to do one of two things. You have to either give it to the gertoshav that lives with you, the gertoshav that lives with you. In other words, to them you do give something that's not kosher and you do give them to them for give it to them for free, or or sell it to the stranger to the goy. So the Torah is distinguishing here to the Gertoshav you give for free, but to the Goy the implication is you do not give for free. Now, from a very famous Mishnah from a Sechet Gitin. 
מפרנסים עניי גויים עם עניי ישראל, מפני דרכי שלום. So we said that Eva, before, in several halachot, we said that Eva, that the suspicion that there, this something may, might cause tension with the goyim is enough to permit certain actions. Now we are dealing with something else. It's not Eva, but it's Darche Shalom. Darche Shalom means in order to promote actual harmonious relationships. So what did Hachamim say we should do in order to promote harmonious relationships? Because, you know, if you follow this halachot, many of them will not be relevant for the day-to-day, -day and the goy will not even, even realize that you are not giving them things for free because halacha says not to, or that you are not finding them pretty because halacha says not to. But it, you still need something else to encourage uh, to encourage some sort of a of, of, of good neighborly relations. So Hachamim said the following: Number one, you have to give tzedakah both to Jewish poor people as well as non-Jewish poor people. You have to do to give to both, and the implication is you have to do it together. So if you have a fund that is collecting money for the poor, the recipients of that fund ought to be both the Jews and the non-Jews. Number two, Also, if the goyim come to your field to get any of the gifts, any of the of, of, of those things that the Torah said should be left for the poor, leket means that when you are that when you are cutting your 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 grain, anything that escapes the knife, anything that escapes that thing that you used to cut it. Uh, stays there, and then the the anim, the poor people would come behind you, like Ruth Hamuavia did with the servant of Boaz, and they'll pick up whatever was not cut. Shichecha is uh, less likely to happen, but it's a, more of a windfall. So if you have the bundles of wheat and you're transferring them from one place to another, if you forget one of them, you have to leave it there. You should not go back to to take it. That single bundle. And then the Aniim come, the poor people come and take it. And Pe'a is an actual portion of the field that you do not you do not cut and you do not harvest, and you just leave it as is for then the Aniim to come and take from there. But that's at the end of the season. It's at the very end of the season. So the Aniim before that have Leket and they have Shichecha. So if the Goim come and take, by the way, like Ruta Moavia did, when Ruta Moavia came, to get Leket, she still was not Jewish. <coughs> to promote peace. You also have to ask on uh, you have to ask for their health, you have to uh, become interested about them, to salute them, to say hi to them, even during their day of Avodazara, also because of Tarche Shalom. However, you may not you may not say to them shalom shalom twice. Uh, shalom shalom shalom. Why is that? Maybe because of emphasis, or maybe because the implication of shalom shalom for a goy might be idolatrous, just like in a, in in the, the tefillah. Haomer modim modim meshatekim oto. If a hazan comes and says modim twice. We quiet him down. Why? Because in the Gnostic mentality, in the mentality that is very prevalent among of the Avodah Zarah, of seeing, 
of not being able to see a god that is balanced but rather perceiving two different kinds of deities a god that is very close to us in fact so close that it lo looks like me and another god that is so far from us that doesn't care about what i do right so if you say shalom shalom to a goy that might be interpreted as that that might be the meaning of this However, although we may say shalom to, to the goy, you may not go into his house if this is the day of their worship in order to go and say hi to him. But if you find him outside the house, you may greet him, but not too enthusiastically. Again, this is a day of Avodah Zarah. You don't want to be seen or you don't want to feel as though you're celebrating with him. This is not a day of celebration for us. All of these halachot that we said are when uh, the Jews don't have absolute sovereignty over Israel. But if the Jews had sovereignty fully over Eretz Israel and they can get away with doing anything we want with respect to the other nations, we don't owe any any um, we don't owe to any standards imposed by any of the nations. Then it's forbidden to have in our midst in Eretz Israel a goy that worships Abu Zarah. And we should not open our gates, the gates of our country, even for a goy to come and live there temporarily or to transjourn through it, to pass through it, to stop through Israel on his way to another place. Until or before this goy agrees to the seven prescriptions that were given to the children of Noah, namely to all human beings other than Am Israel. The Torah says they may not be in your land. And Chachamim say this means not even for a moment. In other words, Goim that are of the should not be invited, should not be licensed to come to Eres Israel even for a moment. Um, and if the Goy agreed to the seven prescriptions, then he becomes what we call Gertoshav, he gets the Jewish green card. However, Harambam says, from a technical standpoint, we do not agree to someone having the status of Gertoshav, of permanent residency. We don't give out, we don't issue Jewish green cards other than during those times in which the Yovel is in effect. The Yovel is the cycle of 50 years. But if we do not, if we are not having right now the cycle of the Yovel in effect, then the only kind of girl we are willing to accept, we don't issue green cards, but we issue naturalization. We only accept full-fledged Kadim that agree not only to the seven mitzvot, but to the entire Torah, and they want to actively join and become part of Am Israel. Um, one last observation about this. Um, 
this Gertoshav uh, and Sheva Mitzvot Ben Enoach, this chapter makes it even clearer than at the end of, of Mishneh Torah in, in uh, the Halachot of Menachim Melchamotehem, that the seven Mitzvot Ben Enoach are something that we only concern ourselves with, the Jews, inside Eretz Israel. In other words, the, nowhere does it say that a Jew should go around in New York or any other part that's not Eretz Israel trying to encourage non-Jews to follow the seven mitzvot in Noach. Whatever happens outside of Eretz Israel, frankly, is none of our business. And to quote what Hamam just said, uh, in, in the last page, what they say, Mipene, um, Mipene, that's not our land. Our land is Eres Israel. In Eres Israel, we have the responsibility to make sure that a certain behavior is followed, including preventing Avodah uh, Zara. And with that, we finish the 10th chapter. Be'ezrat Hashem will continue with chapters 11 and 12, Sunday morning, Shabbat Shalom Vorach.